Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Station. Gabe Ramirez. My BetMGM account is going crazy right now. Ever since the NCAA tournament, I've just been fortunate enough to be pulling off a few victories. Ah. Anthony Heron. On 670 The Score. In Odyssey Station. That's so why I got to check the intros before you, before you play them. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron. You had us with the It Takes Two. We were dancing. and I saw you dancing over there. Uh, right. yeah, I, I blame yeah. Tyler Butterball. That no, was... no, that's your fault. Don't throw him under I'll the bus. Me. I'll take It's me. It's, yeah, me. Don't, it's don't, me. It's me. How dare you take Tyler and throw him under the bus? No, like I would never. I would never. Tyler's my guy. I'm just messing with him. Should I give, should I give Sean crap right now? Where's our, where's our new intro at? How about that? I'm going to have Tanny put you in the room. And teach you a thing or two. Yeah, I'm sending you to work. You know what, though? I think think Ant and I, we were both dancing because of the victories here in Chicago for the the Cubs and the Sox, respectively. Mm -hmm. Sox, obviously, pulling it out 9-8. to I know a lot of people aren't happy about it, especially the Sox haters. Within the the Sox fandom are the Sox haters, (laughs) and they hate this win. But me, I'm going to celebrate it. I'm going to be happy we didn't lose three straight to the Twins. Um, and the cool thing is we have an opportunity to talk to the Twins play-by-play guy, Corey Provis, who's going to join the show. He's also from Highland Park, so we're going to be able to talk to him in just a second and, and really find out why these Twins are a, are a thorn in, in, the, in the paw of the lion that is the <laughs> Chicago White Sox. And what, what was your takeaway? Are you part of the hater crew that's like, I don't, I don't care, Sox won, whatever? Or are you, are you happy that the Sox pulled this one off? It's important. It matters, especially the way that it went down. You had the first at-bat there uh, from Eloy, and getting him back in the lineup and having him make that type, I mean, you know, probably the wrong term to call it a debut, but his return to the lineup was resounding, and they needed every one of those hits from him today. And to talk just a little bit about that, of course, joining us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, is the Twins play-by-play announcer, Corey Provis who's also uh, from Highland Park as well. Corey, let me first ask you, I just, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, you've been doing this, you've been calling the team for so long now. 
And and as a reg, as a Sox fan that I am, I think to myself like, what are they doing over there? How how do they mm-hmm. seem to put it together so well year in and year out? What have you noticed in your time covering the Twins? That, what is it that makes the organization one that competes year in and year out? I mean, they, they it's great to be out with you guys. And I'll say this: I mean, a lot of this is because they've drafted well. Uh, it's certainly in terms of position players. Um, you know, Byron Buxton is a homegrown player. Jose Miranda, we're seeing him now. He's a homegrown player. And they did really well in the, in the, in the uh, international draft. Go back to 2009, that, that was the same class with Max Kepler and Jorge Polanco and Miguel Sano. So from a, from a position standpoint, a lot of this, you know, has been kind of done within, uh, just drafted and developed. And where, where they've missed has been on pitching. You know, outside of Jose Barrios, uh, there hasn't been, you know, that, that, that one arm that they drafted and really developed and became a frontline guy. They had Kyle Gibson there for a while. They had some really good relievers, and, boy, they could use Taylor Rogers right now and then some. Uh, that trade is haunting them right now. But they just have been able to, to draft and develop really good position players that are all kind of arriving and did arrive at the same time, and that's not the only reason why, but that's a big part of why they've been competitive the last four or five years. And part of the, the concern that Gabe was referencing with things on the south side of the city here in Chicago, and you know it well, Corey, is because there were expectations for the White Sox coming into this season that haven't anywhere near been met. What, what's, how have the, how's the season so far? Being in first place in this division, a division that really wasn't expected to be able to keep up with the talent, the depth of the Sox this year. How has the season that the Twins have put together so far been received in the Twin Cities? It's been good. It's been it's been somewhat surprising. But, look, you know, Big Ann, if we talked about this Twins team before the lockout, there was no way I saw this team as a contending team. And then the lockout ends, and, and Derek Falvey, our president of baseball operations, and Thad Levine, the GM, they overhauled this roster. I think when, when the opening day roster came out, and at that point there were still 28 guys on the roster – I think there were 13 players on the roster that were not on the team last year. So they really overhauled the roster and, and trade after trade, and they made some free agent pickups, uh, signing Chris Archer when they did. So the lineup just completely flipped, and I think expectations changed. And then they really changed when they shocked everybody when they signed Carlos Correa. You know, in the middle of spring training, that was just, you know, the cherry on top of all the work that they put in. But – you know, I, I didn't think this team would contend entering the lockout because I, I didn't see it. It, it, it didn't. It didn't look at all like a contending team. But then, okay, could the could the pitching hold up? And they got off to such a great start in April, and they did so not just because Byron Buxton was was playing at such a high level and Luis Arise was good, but their starting pitching in terms of ERA was among the best in the game, the first month of the season. And, and to me, that was the biggest shock of it all because I didn't know how this team would hold up. It was so unknown. Joe Ryan, who pitched today, uh, did not have his best stuff, but he was out there opening day. You know, the second rookie ever to start, you know, in Twins history on opening day. And so that, to me, was was the big welcome surprise about how they performed so well, and so much of it was because of how they were were throwing on the mound, specifically the starters. Of course, we're talking to Corey Provis, the play-by-play guy for the Minnesota Twins. Corey, you mentioned Carlos uh, he thought you guys were going to contend. That's what he told us here as to why he went to Minnesota as opposed to Chicago. And you guys are in that position right now, four-and-a-half game lead in the AL Central. 
Do you feel like the goal is is winning the division, or are you guys okay with the wild card because you guys just want to get to the dance? How do you feel like the temperature is in Minnesota? No, I think they want to win this division because uh, I'm not sold that the, the, the second place team in the Central is still going to make the playoffs. I mean, I, I think there's a there's a plausible way that four teams from the East make the playoffs. You know, the, the three wild card teams all come from that same division. Um, so to me, the, the only path for the Twins or the White Sox or the Guardians to get there to October might be to win this whole thing. And and I hope they are aggressive. I mean, their their needs are pretty obvious. I mean, everybody could use starting pitching. But you saw today, you know, by far the weak link on this team right now is the bullpen. And they have had a, a, a challenging time keeping the ball in the ballpark. They have been among the league leaders in home runs allowed. Just speaking of the bullpen, they have been among the league leaders in home runs allowed all season long. And so their their needs are pretty obvious. And I, you know, you can always, I think bullpen arms are easier to get than other spots. Starting pitching is very pricey. And I don't think they have this dire need right now to add a bat. But, man, they, they need multiple arms in the bullpen. And they absolutely could use you know, a frontline starter like everybody else that, that hopes to contend, you know, is hoping for. But but their needs are pretty obvious, and I think we saw it today, you know, number one is they, they need some more bullpen arms. Corey Provis, voice of the Minnesota Twins, with us on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. You can find him on Twitter, at Corey Provis. And the the triple play was one that uh, they got a lot of run here in Chicago, got a lot of run nationally as well, and had a good time. Um, actually, one of our partners here at the score, Lawrence Holmes, played your call of the play as well. And the best center fielder in baseball, Byron Buxton, going back there. As you saw that play out, you got to call a historic moment there, something that had never happened before, 8-5 triple play. How, how quickly did you figure out that that opportunity to get all three outs in that moment was there? Well, I, I, I kind of, you know, my call got screwed up because I forgot, I forgot the base runners in terms – I forgot that Moncada was at first and Angle was at second. So did they. So, I, I, I mean, I knew, there were, I knew there was nobody out. But what I was confused with was I wasn't sure if Moncada at any point ran past Angle. So that to me was – I was just confused as to who the second and third out would have been in that moment. Um, it, it was a stunning play, and I think in some ways it was a series-changing play because I think the White Sox were lined up to win that game if they don't run themselves out of that inning and do something that had never been done in the game's history, and that is an 8-5 triple play. So, you know, Byron Buxton is just he's incredible at what he does. I mean, he's playing at such a high level right now. The White Sox pitched him well in the series. His only hit was a home run. But, man, defensively, you know, he's, he's as good as there, as there is in the game. It has been when he's out there, and the key has been when he's out there because he's been so injury-prone in his career, but – you know, there was no panic on him. I mean, he ran back like that was a routine play. He didn't jump or anything like that. It was just trying to remember all the runners. Um, but then I saw that picture of uh, Tony La Russa just, you know, that jaw dropped, you know, looking <laughs> out, you know, at the field, wondering what in the world happened on the field. It was a stunning play, and I really think that changed the whole vibe and momentum of that series because I think I think the White Sox win that game if they don't commit something that had never been done in the game's history. Corey, I hear you speaking passionately about the Twins, but I know you're from Highland Park, and i got to ask, you know, what was it like for you being 
in your hometown why that horrific event took place. How's your family, and how are you holding up? You know, I, because of COVID, guys, I have not been I've not been back in Highland Park too often the last couple of years, and this was the Twins' first trip to Chicago, and I haven't seen my parents in quite some time. Um, so I stayed at my parents' house, and they live, you know, about a mile and a half away from downtown Highland Park. And so Monday morning, we're just having a late breakfast, and uh, my, my brother, who also lives in Highland Park, but he was on, he was on vacation, he called me and, and said, are you guys okay? And I said, yeah, why? Because there's a live shooter uh, at, at the July 4th parade. And then, you know, we, we just, our jaws dropped, and we could hear sirens and helicopters within minutes. We could just hear that something significant had taken place and was still taking place. And it, it was just a, a scary, sad feeling. And, look, you know, I'm, I'm from here. I, I've been in Minneapolis now 11 years. But my wife is from Northbrook. My kids were both born in Minnesota. But had they been with me, had my family been with me this week, we would have absolutely had been at that July 4th parade. My kids have been there before. I went to that parade when I was a kid. So if my family was here with me this week, we would have 100% been in attendance at that parade. And so I just get chills when I think about that. And I, 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 was, I, was, I walked the, the streets of downtown Highland Park yesterday. A lot of it is still roped off, but, you know, you can walk down 2nd Street enough to just kind of see and 2nd and Central where most of the action, um, you know, that, that, that the law enforcement officials are really centered on right now. You can see that that's a major area of concern. And while I'm looking at that, I'm also looking to my right, and I see the Ross Discount Drugstore, and I see about seven or eight FBI uh, walking the rooftops. And it just was an eerie, sad, awful feeling, and seeing all the cars and seeing all the strollers and, you know, the chairs that people can't get because it's still an active crime scene. When that, you know, this time of year, that area should be just, you know, vibrant. It should be bustling. And it was anything but that. A lot of my favorite places, you know, were shut down and closed because of all that transpired. So it was really sad, really scary, and, um, you know, just a tragic, tragic event that took place in my hometown on Monday. And obviously just uh, so many horrific angles to to how and, and why unexplainably uh, another situation like that plays out. And, and from your perspective as someone who has this opportunity on a work trip, to see your family and to, to call a sporting event in the town that you're from and, and every, all the joy that could be associated with that. How did the, the professional end of the remainder of the day play out? Because the White Sox reached out to Major League Baseball. There, there was some you know, indecision about whether or not the game would be played on time, if it would be played at all. How did the, the rest of the day play out for you? You know, I, I thought, you know, the White Sox... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. That moment of silence that they held on, on Monday night was great. And um, once the game began, you know, that, that terrible event, to me at least, was on pause. Uh, for three hours, and I think for the fans in attendance, and that was a great crowd on Monday night. That was one of the better atmospheres I have seen in a ballpark this year. It was it was energized. It was really fun to be at that ballpark on Monday night. And, you know, so once the game ended, my brain kind of shifted back into, you know, what happened. And there was a sense of, of peace in my mind because it was, correct me if I'm wrong, fellas, but it wasn't long before the game started that we found out that they that they found him, right. that they did have yeah. you know the young man in custody, so that that put me at ease a little bit, um, knowing that you know he he wasn't still active and could do do more damage, in not just Highland Park but any area in town, uh, this terrible you know despicable human being. So once once that happened and I saw that that news. There was a little bit of calm and peace that did enter my mind and body, and I was able to, to do my job. And um, that was a big part of it. But, you know, many people reached out, and I'm grateful for that. But honestly, when the game began, it, it really was it, it really was almost therapeutic for me. Well, I'm glad that, that, you know, you were obviously able to have that peace of mind along with everybody else that was there after that happened. Corey, I appreciate you greatly for st- stopping by today and, and having you on and recounting your story and, and, and exactly what happened with your family. Uh, we genuinely appreciate it. Thanks for hanging out with us today. All right, guys. All the best. Big Ant, you're the man, buddy. Take care. <laughs> all right, Corey. I'll let you soon, man. Corey Provis, the Twins play-by-play announcer, joining us right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Big Ant Heron. All the plugs. I, got, I need to go on your roller deck so we can start getting these good guests. <laughs> that was a phenomenal. Like, if I'm in my car right now, this is exactly what I'm listening to is the guy who just lost 
to the Chicago White Sox, but <laughs> who's also from here from Chicago. I, like right. that is great. Oh my gosh! All right, so we got a lot more stuff for you. Obviously, Ant and I, we got you. We're gonna be holding you down till nine o'clock. Uh, we have a very important question about which fan base you'd rather be a part of at this very moment of the season as the All-Star break is approaching, the Cubs or the White Sox? White Sox obviously won today, but fans are still underwhelmed by what's been going on with their season. And the Cubs, you know, they're in, they're in their rebuild mode, but they're out there winning their last two series. We'll take your calls, 312-644-6767, of which fan base you'd rather be a part of right now, and then we'll take your calls next. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. I thought maybe we'd see you dancing after that one. I, had to... I was dancing in the locker room. Pull something, too. Yeah. Yeah. Nice pull, pull both sides. Tony LaRusso talking about how he pulled something while celebrating the walk-off win. Anthony Heron, Gabe Ramirez here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. And we're asking the question, who would you rather be if you weren't one of the fans? Of who, <laughs> who, who would you rather be a part of, the White Sox or the Cubs? We're taking your calls now, 312-644-6767. But I feel like that was the perfect description of how the Sox season is so far, where you get a victory, but but you pull you pull a hammy while you're celebrating the walk-off win. What, they trailed, what was it, three different times, five different times in the game or something like that? They trailed over and over and over again. It was nice to see them have a comeback win, to have an extra innings win, to finally beat the Twins during the regular season. And um, there's a lot of positive to take from it, while at the same time, what we kind of thought, we started thinking that maybe the starting pitching would be something they could be counted on. And you could at least say, all right, they get this offense going, they keep pitching like they're starting to pitch, it's all good. Then you get another outing from Lance Lynn, where he doesn't look like the Lance Lynn he looked like where he was a Cy Young candidate last year. So you get the dub, that matters. But on the other side of this thing, man, it still doesn't yet look like a team that you say, you know, I mean, it was nice to see the long ball. Sure. That's the thing. You, you got some home runs finally. So it's, it's pros and cons to how this thing went down. And a part of that, as far as just still having some discomfort coming out of it, is because they haven't been consistent. None of this has really turned into a, a launch point for them throughout the year here. And overall, when you're looking at the north side of the city, because of the low expectations for the Cubs this year, and you're seeing what they've been doing the last couple of weeks, I don't know. It feels to me like, man, being a Cubs fan is maybe the place you want to be right now. <laughs> Cubs obviously winning their game today against the Milwaukee Brewers 2-1 to one and taking home the series after uh, taking the series against the Boston Red Sox. So I could see where you would say that. But let's go to the phone lines. Uh, it's brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at RosenHyundai.com. Let's go to Brad out there in Gardner, Illinois. Brad says he'd prefer to be a Cubs fan, but Brad – as you're saying there, you think that the Sox should have done what? Oh, no. I was saying I am a Cubs fan, but what I'm saying is if I were the Sox, um, I have a lot of friends and family that are Sox fans. I feel bad for them um, right now because this is such a likable team that is underperforming. It's it's really like 4 Cubs-esque. Um, what I would do is I would trade one of your main hitters, like when the Red Sox traded Nomar, get a couple pieces back that you can use right now and try to kickstart this team. Okay, Brad, I hear what you're saying because I was scouring Twitterverse and they were kept on talking about how if Jose Abreu, Jose Abreu should walk into the office and ask for a trade to an actual contender. 
Oh, that broke my heart as a Sox fan hearing that whole thing. But I hear what you're saying. I mean, you can get back some pieces. It is disappointing. I mean, every Sox fan will tell you that the season season has been disappointing up until this point. Granted, if it if they end up winning the division, which they, it's very possible, they're only four and a half games back or five and a half games back, and so it's very possible that they can do that. And then what happens then? Eh? Is there, are people still? They don't win the World Series. That's the thing. Like even <laughs> if they come back and win this mediocre division, what does it end up equaling when when you're talking about postseason play? Because if they come back and win this division, where Minnesota isn't great. They've been better than expected, but they're not great. Cleveland definitely isn't great. So it, it feels like it won't take much of a jump start for the Sox to come back and win the division. But then you do that, are you beating the Yankees in the postseason? Damn sure don't look like you're beating Houston in the postseason the way this thing is going. So I mean, We never beat Houston. Really get? They never beat Houston. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, what do you really get when it comes down to it? Because it, it's one thing. To, to say that a successful season still matters and winning the division is cool, and you certainly rather do that than the alternative. But if the end result, and I don't see what we've seen from the Sox this season, think the end result would be anything different than postseason disappointment, how do you really feel coming off of the year? Whereas on the north side, man, at least as a Cubs fan, they got the opportunity to say, you know what, some exciting players. You know, we got a couple of pitchers you feel good about. You got some hitters that you really feel good about. You got some guys that maybe could either be a trade piece. And so while it's the back end of that nice run the Cubs had going for a minute, you still got a couple of pieces left in the championship puzzle that if they get healthy anytime soon, you're probably going to move on from Contreras and, and Hendricks. But in the end, I, I don't know. I, I think the Cubs fan at least just – from a from an energy perspective, from a positivity perspective, that's a that's a more fun place to be right now. I hear what you're saying. Cubs fans are like, hey, we have five less wins than the White Sox, and we're trying, you know, half as much as you guys yeah. are right now. In They're terms not even of really trying to do much, right? All right, let's go to another Cubs fan. We got Joe out in Elk Grove. So, Joe, you're not a fan of the White Sox roster either, huh? It's you know what, you can't deny that the Sox have more talent than the Cubs. It, in certain areas, at least, you know, they've got some tremendous, they can have some tremendous pitching. They can have some tremendous hitting. Uh, their defense is, is suspect. Their base running is suspect. Um, I, I don't know. I just don't know if I like how the team is put together. Um, I, I'm trying to be <laughs> trying to be sensible as a Cubs fan. I'm not trying to get down the Sox because the Sox have a better team. But it reminds me of last year, too, where they beat a lot of bad teams, and then when it came to the good teams, they, they couldn't win. I think their record against good teams was below 500. And if you put them up against, like, the Yankees, or you were talking, like you said, the Yankees or Astros, maybe some other teams, those teams look like contenders. They look like they're going to be at the top and play each other to go to the World Series. I don't see that from the Sox. I don't know. You know, they have the talent, but I just think they're they're missing something. I hear you. I hear you. And and I think that the Sox were trying to take the 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 Bulls approach, continuity, having that core group of guys together, mm-hmm. hoping that they could end up like the Houston Astros, a team that can compete year in and year out. And it's unfortunate that they just haven't played up to that level. I think it's sad that you're six games under five hundred at home. And you call yourself a team that is trying to compete for a World Series. I mean, I remember the year. I remember the Bulls in the '90s would go like 41 and 0. <laughs> what seemed like 41 and 0 at home, and you just knew like that was the team you had to go through. That you know they wanted that home series. They wanted home home court advantage throughout the playoffs. And and the White Sox, as they're clawing their way in, 
they need that's where they need to focus on playing better at home, especially against these teams. Yeah. It would have been great to, you know, win the series against Minnesota for the Chicago White Sox, but but at least they were able to salvage that last that last one. So, and I know you're saying there's there's more excitement over there on the north side because of the position that they're in. Is did you do you feel like any like the fans should should have any excitement left in them after the series against the Twins? I mean, it winning today certainly matters. It helps getting Eloy back and him looking healthy, you know, running around the outfield, making plays, having big hits, home run, driving in runs, that's all great. So that, at least, you know, you can say things are looking up, things are ascending. I would say, and one of the callers mentioned this uh, a little bit earlier, I think I'm to the point now where I kind of disagree with how fun the White Sox are. <laughs> you know, that that was the thing that, that out of anything, like last season after the Larusa hire, my big thing was, Everybody should expect the White Sox will go ahead and win because they're so talented, but it's not going to be as fun. And that played out last season partly because of the, just the, the reaction, the kind of visceral reaction to the, the Rusa hire. Now this season, they're not even winning for some reasons that are prescribed by the training staff and maybe some other reason too. They're not like playing hard. They're not running out all the, the potential hits. Like even Tim Anderson closing out the game yesterday on third strike. Some of these moments in the outfield. What was the confusion in the center field between Sheets and Robert? It's, it's not even like this kind of jovial, fun bunch that we thought was going to be here for a number of years either. So for whatever reason, that joy that was infused into this lineup that got infused into the south side of the city and all the White Sox fans, that's not even there right now. So yeah. it'd be different if they were still that fun bunch. I don't even necessarily get that vibe from them lately. Chicago hate is real, and it will continue <laughs> until the White Sox win some games. He's Anthony Heron. I'm Gabe Ramirez. And the question that we still have is, are the Twins fearful of the White Sox with only a five-and-a-half game lead against that very team? And in order to answer that question – we, in fact, are going to talk to Dan Hayes, who covers the Twins for The Athletic, and we'll find out if the Twins feel that very same way. Again, it's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. That's through. The Sox have their first lead in a nearly four-hour tour and walk off. That's all they needed. All that matters is the score at the end of the game. Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Most Sox fans aren't too concerned about winning the AL Central. They just feel like it's it's a lost cause. But I wonder <laughs> if Twins fans are fearful of the White Sox still. And I wonder. And to answer that question, we go to the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, to talk to Dan Hayes, who covers the Twins, at the Athletic, Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Of course. So, are, are are the Twins fearful of the White Sox, or what? I think they're more fearful of their own bullpen, to be honest. I think, uh, you know, it, it, yeah, of course, the the White Sox have so much firepower in that offense, um, but the Twins have played them really well so far. I mean, they've they've won five of six, and honestly, I think they feel like they should have won um, today's game as well. And, that breeds some confidence when you play the team. I think you expect to be your your kind of chief competitor so well. Um, it's something that the Twins weren't able to do against the White Sox last year. I think the White Sox won the season series thirteen to six, and you know to get out to a five and one start against them really has probably uh, built some confidence. But you know the bullpen woes that the Twins have had, especially 
think it's the last 17 games. They're nine and eight right now. And uh, in those games, they've blown leads in uh, the eighth inning uh, in six and, you know, eighth inning or later in six of those games. So they get some stuff to clean up, but I think the, the twins have played pretty well. Like I think fans are, you know, relatively confident in that. <laughs> and the, the White Sox, we've watched them be uber cautious with a wide variety of injuries that they've had throughout the season so far this year. And in some ways, it seems like even the players back in the lineup where the team is urging caution with even the style of play on the field. And it, there's been moments where it seemingly has affected wins and losses. Twins are no stranger to injuries, to guys being banged up. How have the Twins been handling the, the amount of injuries they face this season? Yeah, they. It, you know, you look at Byron Buxton alone, and uh, he hasn't been on the IL this year at this point, um, but they've basically had him dialed back on the bases. Uh, they've played him at DH a ton. Now, he, he's had a knee uh, tendonitis issue basically since before opening day. I think he kind of emerged – late in spring training, he's had his knee drained a couple times and it's affected him without question. And, and you can see it at times. Um, there'll be a time, a stretch where he misses three straight days just because he can't go. And, and there's definitely a, a little bit of an impact, but I think when they see the end result and he's still got an 870 OPS and he's hitting 22 home runs and, and he's healthy enough to make that catch there night and start to triple play, you know, Managing him, I, I think they're more than satisfied with the production they've gotten out of him because losing him for 15 days is, is such a detriment to the team just to not have the threat of his bat in the lineup, even when he's struggling, even when he goes over five. You know, I can guarantee he's giving uh, Tony LaRusa and Ethan Katz headaches trying to figure out how to get him out and not give up the long ball. And sometimes that threat alone is, is just worth so much. And, and so, you know, it. It's just something you have to go through with the 162. And obviously the shortened spring training has put a lot of guys, uh, their, their legs, their, you know, hey, you, you look around and you can see it. I mean, just understanding what the White Sox have dealt with, you know, and you look at the, the numbers for Moncada and, and uh, Grandal and, and Eloy Jimenez, you know, coming into today with six home runs combined, it's, it's, it's just kind of shocking to see that, but also, you know, how much more that group is capable of over the final, you know, 78 games or 79 games. Dan, it's okay for you to say horrible. The C6 home runs are horrible. It's okay to say uh, that. It, it, yeah, it uh, is definitely rough. I, I want to I ask you, because it's one thing for the Chicago faithful to, you know, poo-poo on their team when they're performing well, but from your perspective, someone that covers the Twins and see the, sees the White Sox from the outside in, when it comes to this team, do you think the issue is more with the coach or the players themselves? You know, I mean, there's been a lot of sloppy play I've seen where you're just running into outs. Uh, that triple play there night basically cost the game. And I don't know how much you can put that on anybody that's not on the field. Um, that's, you know, sometimes the, the guy's got to make the plays. And, you know, I, it, it's, it's, it's something that the Twins have done exceptionally well so far as play clean baseball. Um, and you know, you just, it, it really, I think a lot of it has to do with the, the manager to set a tone, um, and, and provide a winning environment done exceptionally well. But when it comes down to it, I've always thought players make plays, you know, pitchers are the guys that have to execute 
we saw it today. I mean, everybody in the Twin Cities is going to blame Rocco Baldelli for turning to the guys he did when he when he did. Uh, the Twins blew five different leads in that game. And, I mean, at some point, the pitcher has to make a pitch and not leave a two-strike cutter over the middle to Abreu or Jimenez and, you know, that kind of thing. And with that happening, then, you know, the Twins fans, they get a little bit of a feeling of, ah, here we go again with the pen. How do you see the organization addressing that by the trade deadline? They're definitely going to have to. Uh, you know, it's it's been a major issue for them, you know, most of the season. Yoan Duran is great, and I think they feel very confident in the guy they have there. Uh, but he's also a rookie, and it's a guy that they're managing his workload because he spent pretty much the last two years dealing with arm issues, and so they don't want to use him. Uh, you saw him go today. I think it was a nine-pitch or a ten-pitch inning and didn't come back to the 10th, and, and they're off tomorrow. But they they feel like with the big picture, they don't want to waste him. So the, the good part is they have him to go with. They have some veteran guys that I think they feel that they can rely on. But you still probably need two guys to come in and sell. I don't think that they would do something along the lines of a Craig Kimball trade. I don't think they feel like they need that. But they need some accompanying pieces, and, and they were able to do that by getting Sergio Romo in 2019. Um, he came in and settled down the back end, and it wasn't a big, splashy trade. In fact, I remember at the time thinking it wasn't really a, a, a good trade. I was wondering about what they were going to get out of Romo, and he came in and just settled down the group. And I think they probably will do some moves along those lines. I don't know that there's the blockbuster out there. Of course, we're talking to Dan Hayes from The Athletic. He covers the Twins. On the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Please go get Craig Kimbrell. Please. That's, that's what I'm saying. Go. I'll set that up. I'll put some calls together so you guys can go ahead and do that. Um, obviously, the bullpen is the big issue for the Twins. But where else could this thing fall apart for them? Like, where is the vulnerability in the armor? Is it if Correa goes down? Is it if Buxton goes down? Yeah, I mean... Byron Buxton, they know how valuable he is. They've dealt with that for two years, for really since 2017. Byron Buxton, the last time he played 100 games, he played 140 in 2017. That's why they've worked so hard to manage him this season. Um, but, you know, he's a huge difference maker in that lineup, and, and they need to keep him going and healthy. And, and if he does, they're okay. But I think the ways they address it, they, they're – it's hard to say because they have so many young guys in the lineup that are giving them good, you know, value at times. You look at what Kirilov, Alex Kirilov, and, and Jose Miranda were able to do in this series. It's valuable, but how do you clean that up into one guy? You have sort of a, a bunch of redundant players on the roster right now. So I don't know if the lineup's the way to go. They certainly could use another starting pitcher, um, someone that goes deep into games. They, you know, Chris Archer just went on the IL. Um, Dylan Bundy, we'll see what he can give them in the second half. But they have a couple of five-inning guys and a bunch of young guys to go with Sonny Gray. I think they really could use another front-of-the-rotation type guy. Um, I don't know that they will do that, though. As currently constructed, what element of the Twins feels the most sustainable? I, uh, you know, I, I lost that. What, what element feels the most? feels the most sustainable if there were anything that they didn't need to improve within the roster at the at the trade deadline what what has them in the best position i i mean i think that the fact that their defense has been consistent 
you know, they made a few mistakes today and, and blew it between the throwing, uh, overthrowing the cutoff man, throwing one to the, the back wall. That didn't actually hurt them, but that's hurt them before this year. And then there's a pass ball. The defense, for the most part, though, has really gotten them into a good position. Um, it's kept them in games and, and kept them in winning position. And I think that that is something that they have forced their teams to do is, you know, they don't make that mistake first. And you're going to put yourself in a great spot a lot of games and, and minimize losing streaks when you play cleaner baseball. And I think that's probably their most sustainable um, area because, you know, that middle infield with Carlos Correa and Jorge Polanco is really good defensively. Their outfield, um, you know, left field's a little bit of a hit and miss, but they have a lot of defensive replacements to come in for the Kirilovs and whoever they throw out there. But Buxton and, and Celestino in center are really good. We saw why Max Kepler uh, is uh, out there every day in right field today with another spectacular catch. Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Hare here on 670 The Score talking to Dan Hayes about obviously the Sox and the Minnesota Twins. You know, Carlos Correa, he's out of the li- he was out of the li- out of the lineup today, and I, I I look at him and I see what a what a boost he's given you guys. Like you just mentioned in the middle of the middle of the infield, do you expect him to come back next season, or do you think this is a one and done where he's kind of going to opt out? Yeah, I'm I'm going to enjoy these three months of covering him because he is a, a very enjoyable personality to have around. But I fully expect that he'll move on. I mean, I you know. Could the Twins find the money? I'd say that's probably very low on the percentage scale. It's possible, I guess. Maybe if they won a World Series with them, maybe they try to find a way to bring him back. But even then, I don't know that they have the seven-year, $250 million deal in them, that kind of thing. So um, if he were to opt in, I would think that it meant he got hurt at some point this year and didn't feel like he was going to get a good run at a big payday. Um, so realistically, I think he's gone. I mean, he's 27 now and, and going to be at the top of the world and uh, get a big contract. You know, it's what guys play for. And, and he had just switched to Scott Boris. Um, had he, after firing his agent during the lockout, I believe, had he signed that mega deal this offseason, the other agency would have gotten a big portion of that uh that commission, and so I think it's a win-win for everybody that the Twins got him for one year, uh, potentially, you know, more if he's hurt. But, you know, he, he he landed in a good spot in a team that he didn't think was going to be rebuilding and uh, got $35.1 million to do it. So it, it, it works out for everybody. The Twins got a guy like that in their prime, but they're just probably going to get the one year. Why wouldn't they be more aggressive financially coming off of what looks like is going to be another success? Because they're the twins. Because they're the <laughs> twins. They don't do that. Yeah, they, you know, I, they're somewhere around the 14th biggest market in uh, the majors. And let's be honest, every team can afford to do these things. It's just uh-huh. when you have that budget and it's like 150 max and you're spending 35 on one guy, if that guy doesn't, you know, the, you look at the Cabrera contract and the Pujols contract, and at the start, those are great. But at the end, that's dead weight. And a team like the Twins cannot afford to have dead weight earning, you know, one-fourth of its payroll, one, you know, fifth of its payroll towards the end of the year. Um, it's, it's just too much to take on. And they were really fortunate with Josh Donaldson to get out of that for a number of reasons. Um, you look at he was owed $50 million over these last two seasons. Um, 
you know, it, the Yankees are paying the price for that right now. Donaldson's performing poorly and, and at a very heavy cost. If you want to follow the enemy, find out what they're doing. Dan's the guy to follow to get the inside scoop on the Twins. He's at Dan Hayes MLB on Twitter. Dan, thanks so much for hanging out with us today and talk, and chatting uh, Sox Twins. Yeah, hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. I got to be honest, and I feel good after that conversation. When yeah. we talked to Corey earlier, I was like, damn it, these twins are going to kill us. We have, or <laughs> are going to kill the White Sox. They have no opportunity. And then, I ta- then we talked to Dan, and I'm like, he doesn't sound too confident. I heard a couple high-pitched squeals while he was giving us answers. Yeah, so right. I'm like, okay, they think this thing is going to fall apart shortly too, whether it's a Correa injury, a bullpen blow-up. They can't seem to get their starting pitching together. And they've been uh, their their young guys have been overperforming. So the assumption that look at me, I'm such a homer. The assumption to say coming from the guy that hosts the White Sox podcast, right? <laughs> I know, yeah. Coming, from, I'm He's trying to find all the angles, leaves, man. You know what it is, Shane. Our pod, new podcast comes out tomorrow, which I'm sure is going to be great. Where Shane and I are going to be able to poo poo all over the White Sox. Mm-hmm. But Shane is like, you know, the realist, negative Nancy, keeping it real. And I'm always like. Babe, but isn't it isn't it going to be all right though? Everything is going to be okay, sunshine and rays. And it's like people got to put me in my place all the time. But I that's what I heard over that one. And wouldn't you agree? I mean, I, I think that because he watches this squad, he watches the Twins every single game, inning in and inning out, just like we do with the Sox. So if we're talking about the Cubs, we got like the the in town hometown sort of vibe with knowing all their warts. And I think it's a little bit different for him and watching the Twins and us just seeing, well, how could they be any worse than the Sox? Man, look at how bad the Sox are playing, regardless of how talented we believe their roster is. He's watching the Twins game in and game out, too. He's seeing all their warts. He's knowing what needs to be addressed and recognizing that financially they're probably not going to swing for the fences, pun intended, in trying to address anything at the trade deadline, maybe make a little Band-Aid move here or there. So he's seeing that and recognizing that they're kind of holding this thing together with super glue and popsicle sticks. So it's going to be hard (laughs) for that foundation to stay in place. If it it were me and I was talking about the White Sox with a a four-and-a-half game lead and I was talking about their shortcomings – I would be I'd be talking like this. And our bullpen sucks and we still got a four and a half game lead. Imagine what's going to happen when we make a trade at this. He didn't sound like that. That's how I would have sounded. He he didn't sound like that. But then again, my homer heart pounds loudly. It also yes, it, it also pounds loudly for the Chicago Cubs. And the reason being is because they're still from here and I don't want them to be mm-hmm. bad because baseball, Major League Baseball is better when the Cubs are in the thick of things and we're going to be able to chat about what is it? that has them winning these last two series against playoff teams right now. I will do that right on the other side of this. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 